So, we have just uh, heard this scripture from 1 Timothy chapter 2 this morning, and uh, we are continuing in a series entitled, Why, Why We Do the Things, Why We Do the Things We Do, and uh, there it is. And uh, in the series, we are seeking to give <clears throat> a little background for some of the reasons we do things here at Mountain View. And uh, there are some things that are easy to miss because uh, you don't know the history, you don't know the context, um, but when you do know them, they might enrich your experience of involvement, your experience of fellowship, your experience of worship, if you know a little of the background, you know a little of the history. We don't want you to miss anything here at Mountain View because it's, it's just... It's just sad when you miss things. A little while back, our grandson, Theo, was visiting us, staying overnight at Grandma and Papa's house. It's a big deal to stay overnight at Grandma and Papa's house. Um, Theo, at the time, he's just turning four, but he was three years old. And as is often the case, because it was early evening when he arrived, I was still at the church at one meeting or another. I don't remember what it was. But when he noticed I wasn't there, he asked, where's Papa? And Chris matter-of-factly answered him, well, Papa's not here. He's at the church, at the meeting, at a meeting. He'll be home after you go to bed. To which Theo replied, oh, no. <laughs> He's going to miss bath time. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I've never attended Theo's bath time before. But from his point of view, it was obviously the high point of his uh, visit to our house, if not his whole week. <laughs> so here's the question. Here's the question. What's the high point of your visit to this house? God's house. Your father's house. If we're taking seriously what the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage in the letter of, uh, to Timothy, he's talking about worship here and, and, and the priority, according to the Apostle Paul, the priority is to be on our time together should be prayer. That opening phrase in 1 Timothy chapter two, he says, first of all. And it could literally be translated of first importance. Now, this is why we take time on Sunday mornings to pray. We call it, it's in the bulletin every week, we call it the prayers of the people, which may seem a little obvi obvious, uh, but, but it's a conscious, intentional response to this passage, that supplications, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, even those in power, now remember, this was written to a people who didn't necessarily like those who were in power. Perhaps that's the point. Prayers for everyone, even the people you don't want to pray for. Pray for them when you gather together. First of all, of first importance. So we pray. We're called to it. It's our priority when we gather for worship, when we gather for meetings, when we gather for small groups, committees, whatever it is, we pray. So that's a, a baseline. 
So then next, I want to direct your attention to verse 5 in our text. And I hope you still have a Bible open in front of you, because here's this amazing text that's in my Bible, it's set off with margins, which means it's either a poem or a hymn, or in this case, it's, it's actually, I think, a creed. There is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Jesus Christ Jesus, himself, human, who gave himself a ransom for all. Now, this is one of those creedal statements in the New Testament that reflects a core belief for the earliest of the believers, uh, the followers of Jesus. And it keys in on the core belief in Judaism that there is but one God. The Jews were monotheistic. They believed in one God. And then it takes the next step of asserting that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the go-between who gave his life for the salvation of humankind. It's a creed, a core belief that was probably learned and often repeated by the early Jesus followers as they gathered for worship. They probably said this together. They recited it. But later, as you might know, it also became, these words became a rallying point for those who were concerned that their organized church was too organized to the point that in order to have access to God, one must go through someone else, someone other than Jesus. And this is something, to be honest, this is something the church has struggled with from the very beginning. We call people into leadership, and it's only natural to think that as priests who represent us to God, we must go through them to get to God. Now, don't think too quickly here that I'm talking only about the Roman Catholic Church here. Anyone in church leadership, whatever church, will anyone in church leadership will probably tell you that this dynamic comes up over and over again. And those of us in ministry are often seen as conduits to God, go-betweens. That if you want access to God, you must go see the pastor. But here in this passage about first things first, here is this statement that just reeks with the immediacy of access to God through Jesus. I have often seen this text as responsible for a lot in the way we do things here in worship when we gather in this place. I don't know if the writers of our Presbyterian Book of Worship had this in mind, but they said, and this is a quote, when a place is set aside for worship, it should facilitate accessibility and ease of gathering, should generate a sense of community, and should open people to reverence before God. So here's the deal. Jesus gave his all as a ransom. You know what a ransom is. He gave his all in order for us to know God immediately. So in the way we do things, we need to keep this in mind. If this is your father's house, then yes, there is a place for you here. Now, for instance, this table, 
set before us beautifully for communion this morning. It's the place we celebrate and we remember what Jesus did to be our mediator. Now notice that the table is down here. Notice that it's not up here. Or it's not way over on the side. Or notice that it's not in the closet. Even on Sundays when we're not using it, it's always here. It's on the level where you and I spend most of our time. This is on purpose because it's accessible to you and me, this table. When Dan and I serve communion, we do it facing you, not with our backs to you. This is a choice. We are all family members here at this table, sharing in it. See how this works? Now notice this piece of furniture. It's big and heavy. We struggle with it at times, don't we, Dan? <laughs> and um, it is front and center, but it is lifted up. It's high in the room. Now this is on purpose. Here's another quote from the PCUSA Book of Worship. Quote, the arrangement of space should be visibly express the integral relationship between word and sacrament and their centrality in Christian worship. So the word of God is to be central in our lives. So this pulpit is central in this room. When you walk in, normally on, on Sunday mornings or during the week, this pulpit is here. Sometimes we move it to the side because we use the stage for other things. But when it comes to the time for preaching of the word, it is here. Now it could be over there. I could be talking to you from over there or over there, but we choose to put it right in the middle of the room because it's to be reflective of the fact that the word of God is to be front and center for us in our lives, in our worship. So the, the pulpit is central in this space. So notice what the main feature of this room is. Even when the pulpit is moved over here and maybe the table is moved to the side sometimes because we're doing other things here in front with music or whatever. What is always, always, always here and in this space, in fact, dominates it? Yeah, the cross. It's here not just because it's beautiful and we, we Christians, we like to decorate with crosses the way that Gaston likes to decorate with antlers in, in the Beauty and the Beast. You know, that line, it's my favorite line in, in that song. He used antlers and all of his decorating. Oh, what a guy. Not, no, it's not because we like crosses and we like to decorate with crosses. No, it is a conscious choice to put this here because it's a reminder of, of why we gather. It's all about Jesus and what he did for us. This cross is beautiful. The artist's name who, who did this, his name is Stan Price. And he's actually quite a well-known uh, uh, stained glass artist. He's the owner and operator of Covenant Art Glass in, in Everett. And he did a masterful, wonderful job of giving us something that, that might inspire us to look up to the cross on which Jesus died, that we might remember his love for all of us. And so the goal is that everyone who walks in this room would be inspired to be grateful, to be grateful for Jesus' sacrifice, grateful for his love that reaches out like this for us. Come one, come all. There is a place 
for you here because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That's why it's here. So finally, and some of you thought that, that I'd forgotten this, and it's, this is funny that it's way over here this morning, but it's always in the room. Some of you thought maybe, wait a minute, we forgot about this. Well, in the words of Theo Mason Fletcher, we don't want to miss bath time. So here it is. You know what this is? It's the bath, yes. What do we call that? Baptismal or what? The font, yeah. Baptism is the sign and the seal of the Christian life begun. Communion is the sign and the seal of the Christian life continuing. It begins here. These two, baptism and communion are the sacraments that we celebrate as Protestants, as, as a Protestant church in the Reformed tradition. Baptism and communion are the two ordinances, the two things that Jesus told us to always celebrate when we gather together. Sacraments. So the word sacrament actually carries within it a clue to their importance. Sacrament. Sacra, that which is sacred. Ment, you can think of mental, but remembering what is sacred, sacrament. And what is it that we're remembering? Do you recall that creed? There is one God. There is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This place of worship is where we remember that Jesus died and to set us free from whatever it is that tries to hold us. We need to be reminded of this because it's so easy to act as if we are powerless, to act as if we're still captive. We need a reminder. So this is what baptism and communion do. They remind us of what is truly sacred, that Jesus offered himself in exchange for everyone held captive to sin and sets them all free. We're going to sing a song this morning that has the words, whom the Son sets free. Oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. In my Father's house, there is a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. You hear that? There is a place for you at this table. There's a place for you to receive God's word. There's a place for you at the font. And there's a place for me and you at the foot of the cross. It is literally all about this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
death. 